Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. The yeas are 220, the nays are 213, the bill back better bill is passed. And Speaker Pelosi could not be more excited, overjoyed. That after failure, after failure, after failure, and bringing down the dollar amount again and again and again, and just after spending $1.2 trillion on a bipartisan infrastructure package that isn't necessarily infrastructure, they now have $1.75 trillion, or is it $2 trillion, or $1.68 trillion? It's hard to keep up with these things. Of absolutely no infrastructure and social agenda. Tony Katz, great to be with you. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. That's the number. 833-468-8669. Don't worry. We're going to get to what's going on with Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, That goes without uh, saying. But this passage, after eight hours from uh, the House Minority Leader, uh, Kevin McCarthy speaking on the floor, after the insanity of the censure and taking away committee assignments from Representative Paul Gosar uh, because of what I consider to be a dopey video, This is a problem for all of us. This spending on spending, and I've been talking about it for a while. Congresswoman Jackie Walorski joins us right now from the second district of Indiana. You were just there. You just uh, watched it, and you already have the statement out. Walorski's statement on Dems' socialist tax and spend scam. Uh, Representative, you uh, you are not mincing words there, are you? I'm, hey, Tony, I'm not, and I'm in the uh, D.C. airport as we speak, flying back to, to Indianapolis. You know, I voted no. This is a disgrace for this country. Um, it's a sad day because all those trillions of dollars, as they continue to roll, are coming right out of Hoosier's pockets, our left pocket and our right pocket. It's coming out of families. It's coming out in a time of inflation. It's coming out in a time that Thanksgiving is the most expensive it's ever been. It's coming out at a time when... You know, we have millions of workers walking away from their jobs in September and October, and this is what these guys came up with and they're cheering about. So I happily voted no and got out of Dodge. I mean, you know, I'm going to go back in my district and talk about buckle up. Here's what's coming. This is just a danger. They're taking us in, a, in such a dangerous direction. It's just um, unbelievable to me. The Indiana Democratic Party will tell you because all politics are local, that you don't care about Hoosier families, you don't care about their daily lives, you think it's okay just to benefit rich people. How do you respond to those types of commentaries on this uh, on this bill? Well, I would tell you, I would say welcome to my district. My district and the second district in the northern part of Indiana, one of the biggest uh, manufacturing districts in the country, double-income households, blue-collar. Tell me what is so big about that. I mean, tell me what is so, you know, exclusive about that. You know, my husband and I are like everybody else that lives in our district. We work for a living. My husband's a public teacher. We have to buy the groceries in the stores that are going up. we got to put the gas in our truck that's 100 bucks a, take, uh, a tank now. And we live like everybody else lives in the state of Indiana. And it is an offense to me. And it's an offense looking at my family and the other families that I serve to think that this is what this administration just shoved down their throats and they're going to have to deal with. I'll tell you this. I will tell you, if anybody listening to my voice has any doubt whatsoever that we don't get this house back next November, then you've got another thought coming. The American people are going to look at this as a disaster and they're going to throw the bums out. 
Let's let's get into a little bit of it. Talking to Congressman Jackie Walorski of the second district. When you, in your statement, you're you're discussing this. You you called it two things. You called it a power grab. You called it out of touch, uh, specifically with Hoosiers. But I'm sure you mean uh, Americans. But one of the things that you engage in is weaponizing the IRS to target families and small businesses. Can you break down what you mean by that? Oh yeah, and this is probably the worst offense, Tony. So so these guys are going to hire eighty thousand IRS workers. Now, a are they going to find eighty thousand people to hire? Not a chance, but in their 80,000 dream of new employees at the IRS, they're going to audit anybody that is spending more than $28 a day on whatever it is. You know how they're going to pay for this bill? They're going to hire these guys to spy on every single American savings account, checking account. And if you're dollars a day, which is $10,000 over a year, they're going to come after you. They're going to audit every account that you have, and they're going to charge you for fraud, and they're going to bring revenue in to pay for this disastrous bill. If that isn't the most incredibly insane thing that you've ever heard, I mean, come on. This is like a James Bond movie. It's like, who's, who's writing this stuff? Who wrote this stuff? How in the world is this going to work? Now, the good news is this, is, this bill is going to the Senate, and the Senate will immediately start bleeding some of these provisions out. So this is not a done deal. We're, we're still a long way away. It's a small, short-lived victory for the Democrats today. But you know what? Uh, November is coming. The American people aren't going to stand for this. Plus, Tony, there's no protection in here like the Hyde Amendment for uh, tax dollars supporting abortions. That's gone. And um, it attacks faith-based uh, child care all over the country. Parents aren't going to stand for that. Parents in um, Virginia last week have just stood and overthrew an entire group of people, Democrats on the ballot, and that was for what was going on in K through 12. Wait till they find out what's going on in pre-kindergarten and daycare. I mean, this is to set the country on fire. So let's let's now go back to something you just said. This is going to go to the Senate. They are going to make changes. This would then, if it passed, the Senate would have to go back to the House for a level of of, of reconciliation, uh, if you will, because changes get made and they have to be voted on again. So as Democrats are cheering this, I look at that and I say to myself, Congresswoman Walorski, that they're cheering this because they believe that the American people will just assume that the Democrats did something and not look at the part two of what actually has been done or doesn't ever get done. But those of us who are paying attention will see some of some of these issues. So if, if you're feeling confident that the Senate is going to move some of these things out, it, do you feel equally confident that Senator Joe Manchin of West Virginia or Senator uh, Kirsten Sinema of Arizona won't vote for this thing? Well, you know, we'll see as this thing evolves, but I'll tell you what, this is just so damaging to the American people. The taxes that rank-and-file Americans are going to pay because of this is, is going to be an absolute disaster. And, you know, we're going to be watching. We're going to be there. You know, we do our part when we're in D.C. Somebody asked me uh, yesterday, in fact, as we were, you know, on the floor until one thirty this morning, somebody asked me yesterday about, you know, so you live in Indiana, so, you know, what can you do about, you know, this huge problem in this country? And I told them, I said, you know what, when we're out here and we are the ambassadors for our districts, we're the ones that are out here. Uh, talking about them on radio, talking about them on the news, educating all of our voters, voters in other states as well, 
about how damaging this is. And so we do a lot of damage when we're in D.C. It's one of the reasons why Pelosi tries to keep us home as much as she possibly can. We're educating people. Every time we, you and I talking today, we're educating people who are listening to this to basically say, we are putting so much pressure on those Democratic colleagues at ours. That's exactly why it's taken so long for these Democrats to even lift this thing off the floor. It's the pressure that we're putting on them. It's the pressure on the vulnerable members. And with the reality of November of next year, right around the corner, and the American people having no tolerance for this, all I can say is their day's coming. I mean, that's a... We we talk. I don't know something about that expression. I loved their days uh, coming. We're seeing a lot of retirements from the Democratic side. We certainly saw retirements. Oh my god! Uh, Unbelievable. In twenty twenty, are are you hearing that? Are you hearing? Yeah, we're 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 going to try and get it done now because we know we're not going to have the power. Is that a conversation that is proactively happening? You bet. Happening right now as we speak. What's going to happen is we are going back into the districts for Thanksgiving. When those, uh, when we come back together after Thanksgiving and you get into that holiday period, that's when the maximum number of retirements uh, arise. So the ones that are out there already is one issue. I think there'll be a bigger batch between uh, Thanksgiving, Christmas, and the New Year. They're going to abandon ship. They're jumping ship. That's, I mean, so far you're you're absolutely correct. But if they're discussing it, I think that's that's some interesting inside baseball there. Uh, before I, I let you go, Congresswoman, uh, you were there on the floor speaking uh, about Representative Acacia Cortez, the censure of Representative Paul Gosar, and and you threaded the needle and and how you thread the needle is to say there are a lot of things that members of this body do that I don't agree with, but we are wasting time here with this idea that paul gosar's video requires censure and a removal of committees the democratic party seems very okay with saying we don't like something we take away your committees unless you're you know engaging in anti-semitism like representative ilhan omar in which case <laughs> nothing happens ironic so yeah. so as you, you see this that, tony that ahead. is just a, it's a power grab you know, this is the second time in a year they've done that. They've come over into our lane with our colleagues, and they're taken over, and it's just kind of like their way or the highway. They're totally abusing the, the entire system of protocol, the way the House was set up to deal with these kind of things. And in, in, in the darkest day of that bill that we knew was going to pass around the corner, we spent an entire day watching the charades of them come over and punish somebody on the Republican side just because they can and so I'll tell you, you know what? There's a new day coming on that as well. What you reap, you, what you sow, you reap. And I can see, um, you know, trouble in the future for them uh, every single step that they take. If I can just say one thing before uh, we go. Yeah. The dangerous thing, the biggest thing about that bill that um, is going to damage America and really take America down is all those entitlements now no longer require work. There's no work ethic in this bill and when we're trying to hire people and get them back and we wonder where they are, they're going to be getting helicopter cash falling from the sky from Uncle Joe, and they're not going to move and actually want to work. They're going to be paid in so many ways to stay home. This is going to destroy what little labor class and, and labor groups that we have. I don't see anything good on the forecast coming from what, what just happened on the floor and a disaster is going to be in the future as we try to rebuild. No labor Congresswoman Jackie Walorski, listen, uh, have a safe uh, flight uh, back and uh, easy travels uh, back home to the 2nd District. Congresswoman Walorski, I appreciate you taking the time. We've got more. I'm Tony Katz.
So I had someone ask me a question on Twitter about my conversation with Representative Walorski, and I, I did want to follow up because I should have followed up in the interview. My mistake. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. What did the $28 mean? You heard Representative Walorski there say that uh, they'll be following transactions uh, of, you know, if you're spending $28 a day, the IRS could be spying on you. Well, it's a question about how you read what it is that the Democrats have now done regarding your 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 bank accounts, your investments, and dollars flowing through. The original proposal they had was that bank accounts with six hundred dollars uh, and uh, or six hundred dollar purchases could be monitored. So, if you spend six hundred dollars or you took a deposit of six hundred dollars, the IRS is checking your bank account. It's like, okay, that's nuts. The IRS should never be checking bank accounts as I see it. And I understand that they, uh, they do sometimes check things that are over $10,000. I, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure that's it. So they actually took that $600 threshold and moved it up to ten grand. But one of the questions is, does it mean that any account with at least $10,000 will have all its deposits and withdrawals monitored? Or does it mean that any individual withdrawal or deposit of at least $10,000 will be monitored? If you were to break that up, it would be $28 a day. So that's how the number is derived. And that's what Representative Walorski was referring to. Other people like uh, Representative uh, uh, Dan Muser, uh, of, I think he's out of Pennsylvania, has been uh, addressing these kinds of things as well. So there's a question of how that number is come to. So you and I, being rational folk, we'd say to ourselves, oh, they mean a $10,000 transaction or greater. And then you have to say to yourself, wait a second. This is the Democratic Party. Does it really mean a $10,000 or greater transaction? I'm not so sure. I'm really and truly not so sure. Uh, so I should have followed up with her in in the uh, injury, but that is what she's referring to. Um, but she was right about one thing, that, that there's a lot of this that, that's going to change when it gets to the Senate. We're going to get more into this. Uh, we're scheduled to speak with Congressman Larry Bouchon. Western uh, spots uh, and southern spots uh, of Indiana were getting other people's reactions to this bill getting passed. And I've got my own thoughts on it that I'll get to as well. But on the Rittenhouse verdict, we have absolutely, positively nothing. Zero, less than zero, except this one weird thing. Somebody was reporting from Kenosha. Of course, that's where the trial is. Kyle Rittenhouse killing two people, injuring another, but he was attacked on the streets of Kenosha. This took place in riots that happened after Jacob Blake was shot by police. And this story, as it's shaping up, is a real question of whether or not you have the right to move about the country freely, whether or not you have the right to defend yourself. There's a series of questions at play here. And certainly, it's very obvious that this prosecution not only engaged in a terrible prosecution, but also tried to hide evidence from the defense. Yet here we are in day four of deliberation, and we don't have a verdict yet. 
and nothing on the horizon. I have heard rumors, and again, I say to you, as clear as day, only rumors. That this jury is deadlocked. And the question is, well, on what? There were seven original counts against Kyle Rittenhouse. One of them was dismissed by the judge, so there are six counts to go. Are they deadlocked uh, three and three? Are they deadlocked on all of them in the same way? It's a rumor. I, I have no way of knowing if it's true or not. But thus we get to the interesting story, speaking of the jury. It was reported that jurors have entered the Kenosha courthouse for the fourth day of deliberations after discussing the case for 23 hours over the previous three days. As jurors entered, it has been reported, several of them thanked sheriff's deputies for putting up a folding screen that blocked them from public view. One woman saying, it helps calm my nerves. Another woman could be heard saying that, quote, media coverage is insane, unquote. And a man said he woke up at 3 a.m., 3.30 a.m. and couldn't fall back asleep until 5 a.m. Now, this is being reported by a guy named Nicholas Bogle Burroughs. I don't have enough courtroom reporting knowledge, history, to know whether or not these kinds of things get reported. But if you're reporting what men say and what women say, I believe at this moment you're violating the order from the judge which sealed the jurors. It sealed the the, the, the court records of the jurors. You, you weren't allowed to report on the jurors. You weren't allowed to take photos of the jurors. And I believe this is a violation. But maybe this happens all the time and I don't know it. But that's only part one. Here's part two. Someone said the media coverage is insane. Quote, unquote, media coverage is insane. So is somebody watching media coverage? And wouldn't that be in opposition to the rules from the judge? And if you're watching media coverage, are you getting positioned in a certain way? Are you being, uh, you know, is there a bias being created in a certain way? How can you still be a juror? Uh, hate to break it to everyone, but I don't see how we're not at mistrial here. Right now, called by the judge. Now, could this reporting be false? Absolutely, it could be false. But it might be time to clear all the reporters from the courtroom. Because this is getting silly. I mean, we, we still need a rule of law. and We still need it applied properly. This is not it. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz Today. So America has made its decision. We have the political left that lied about the Steele dossier. They knew there were questions. They knew it was problematic. They didn't care. They absolutely, positively treated it like it was the word of God, which is interesting because they treat the word of God like crap. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's so good to be with you. 833-GOT-TONY. Let me hear from you. 833-468-8669. I actually uh, got a question. I was talking about this stuff earlier on my morning show, but I got asked uh, the question about some 
some cigar recommendations. And I do have cigar recommendations for for Thanksgiving. I, I will I will give them to you. I will bring them to you in full. But if you've got to ask Tony mostly anything, why not? 833-468-8669. You have questions. I have answers. The Steele dossier isn't real. The Steele dossier, which was the basis for all the attacks on President Trump about working with Russia and colluding with Russia, nonsense. It was nonsense. And people pushed it like it was fact, like it was it was delivered from on high. There have been a multiplicity of organizations engaged in writing corrections. We got this wrong, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Here comes the Washington Post. Even if the Steele dossier is discredited. I'm sorry, what did they write? They wrote, even if the Steele dossier is discredited, there's still plenty of evidence of Trump's collusion with Russia. This was an opinion piece in the Washington Post by Max Boot, who is one of the dopiest non-conservatives ever outside of Jennifer Rubin. This is insane. It was categorically false. Steele could not be, Christopher Steele could not be trusted. The so-called spy out of Great Britain, his subsources could not be trusted and were not trusted by the FBI. Then again, it's the FBI. What exactly do they know? And we, we, we ask about this because when you knew that there was a doctor sexually abusing girls who were gymnasts, nothing happened. So we've got lots of questions about you, FBI. And this is a moment where, with all due respect to the field agents, and I know many guys listen and, and women listen, and I really do appreciate it, uh, you're taking the hit on this, and that's all there is to it. These girls were getting sexually abused. You knew it. Someone knew it and did nothing. The FBI takes the hit. When James Comey acts in a politically disgusting manner, the craven political animal that he is, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page, Christopher Ray, Andrew McCabe, that lowlife, that's them. We can make the clear delineation. When you look these girls in the eye and say, we'll be right, we'll get right on this. We're going to look into this. You know he's guilty and you did nothing. Wow. You deserve the hit. Sometimes you take the hit, guys. That's all there is to it. Washington Post deserves every hit there is. More and more, they are convinced that they can say to you as clear as day, yeah, but, and you won't care. You won't care. You won't notice. Ameri- the problem is you will. You will notice because you don't care because you're, you're, you're like me. We're in this. We're in this conversation. We're grabbing more and more people all the time to get into these conversations and just recognize the difference between right and wrong. But they, what they hope is is that no one's going to pay attention. They'll be, they'll be quick to uh, worry about you know something that happened to Taylor Swift. I am not angry with Taylor Swift. She's just got terrible politics. Oh, does she have bad politics? I mean, she might write a song about me now, but pfft, whatever. She she really did be clown herself in the stuff in in Tennessee, or maybe maybe I'm saying it wrong. 
She, I, I incredibly disagree with her, and she should never confuse popularity for intellect or political acumen. She should be somebody who is clear enough, clear-headed enough to know that those two things don't mix. There are plenty of people who are popular who aren't necessarily bright, and there can be plenty of people who are popular and bright who also get it wrong. Her politics are exactly that. As opposed to, for example, Representative Ocasio-Cortez, who is not clear-headed, not bright, and gets it wrong very often, but yet is wildly popular with a, with a set, with a sect, with a select group of people. Now, I, I, I wasn't planning on, on, on going down uh, this, this road about Christopher Steele, but it was just, it was amazing to see this headline. And, and people are going to look at this and be like, yeah, good for him. There is nothing less brave, less strong, less showing of your convictions than writing even if the Steele dossier is discredited. There's plenty of evidence of Trump's collusion with Russia. You know how low class you are? You're low rent. You lack the intellect. You lack the decency. You know who doesn't? Inez Cantor. Inez Cantor of the Boston Celtics is quite simply the bravest human being in sports today. Because Inez Cantor, I should say American sports. I'm going to do that and I'll tell you why. Because Inez Cantor is clearly having the conversation that the NBA should be lifting up and refuses to. Enes Cantor's taking on the NBA, he's taking on China, and he's taking on LeBron James. That's what he's doing. He put out a tweet. And the tweet reads, money over morals for the king. It's got a crown, meaning King James. That's the Twitter name for LeBron James. Sad and disgusting how these athletes pretend they care about social justice. They really do shut up and dribble when Big Boss China says so. Did you educate yourself about the slave labor that made your shoes, or is that not part of your research? Oh, damn. And then he has these shoes that are painted in their bags of money. It's got dollar symbols and symbols for the yuan, which is uh, the currency in China. And then it's got LeBron James on one knee while Xi Jinping puts a crown on his head. And on the other side, it says, hey, still researching and getting educated? It's brutal. He's taking on the biggest name in sports. LeBron James, and punching him directly in the face where he deserves it. Taking Nike to task like they deserve. Taking the NBA to task like they deserve. The NBA team should be standing up for Inez Cantor, and they should be listening to what he's saying. You think Colin Kaepernick was brave? Colin Kaepernick wasn't brave. Certainly, it was like, hey, I don't know how this is going to go when I start taking a knee for the national anthem. But, you know, it'll probably look good to, to, to my most ardent supporters. And he was right. And even when Nike signed him, 
it worked out well in Nike's favor. But that he's brave? He's not brave. He did everything in a way that guaranteed him success. He may not have known that it was going to work out as well as it did, but he set it up that way. Megan Rapino is brave? Megan Rapino is not brave. Megan Rapino is a loudmouth that has never actually put herself at risk, at least as the stories that have been made public I know about. You show me another story, I'll change my mind. She's going to take a knee. Stop it. Stop it. You can tell me how good the women's soccer team is all you want, but if the crowds won't show up and spend the money, if the sponsors won't show up and spend the money, you're not going to make the same as the men. If you want to make a conversation about the men's and women's team, national, I don't know, pay people what you pay people. I don't have any problem with that. But your wokeness, you're not brave. Inez Cantor is brave. The bravest person in American sports. And I say the bravest person in American sports because there's a story out of China. And it's a story of a tennis player. And this tennis player is missing. She is missing. And she is missing because she has spoken out. What she spoke out about, and she is uh, a, 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 a famous in the world of tennis, Peng Shuai is how I believe I pronounce her name. She told a story about sexual exploitation involving the former vice premier of China, Zhang Gaoli. I think it's Zhang Gaoli. Sorry. She claimed she was victimized by him. And then she was disappeared. Not that she disappeared. She was disappeared. Like Jack Ma of Alibaba was disappeared. That's what happens in China. You speak out. You say something that's considered offensive or wrong or hurts the party. You're gone. And she says that a member of the Politburo, a member of the Chinese Communist Party, sexually assaulted her, sexually exploited her. And she is now missing. And no one knows whether she's dead or alive. This leads into the further conversations about how the United States should not attend the Olympics in Beijing, which is a very difficult thing to ask of athletes. When Joe Biden was asked about a diplomatic boycott. Sir, do you support a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympics? Something we're considering. If they're willing to consider a diplomatic boycott, I'm very impressed. Now, that could just be something that is said. That could be something that is said just to keep the Chinese off track. You know, just to keep them on their toes. It's all possible. But I got to assume because Joe Biden said it, it's because, well, he actually believes it because how would he know how to play the game? Tennis players, tennis stars are speaking up and speaking out. The World Tennis Association and others. What is happening? Where is this girl? That's bravery. And LeBron James should see it and be told what a coward 
He really is. When he decides to go after then Houston Rockets GM Daryl Morey for standing up for Hong Kongers because his money was at play. Screw LeBron James and his money. What a chump. Inez Cantor, that's the jersey you should wear. World Tennis Association, women's tennis, standing up. Where is this woman? Serena Williams, Naomi Osaka, Billie Jean King, tweeting about her disappearance and the World Tennis Association considering canceling all events in China. Good. Good. Cities should open themselves up. How could we have tennis events here? This is important stuff. And, and those who sponsor the Olympics in Beijing, they should be questioned. Not, not like a question in a, in a, in a, in a you know, room with one light, but by us, looked at askew saying, really, bro? That's just weird. There's a rumor. No, no music this time. And the rumor right now is that there's a verdict. It's coming up next. I'm Tony Katz. All right. It is getting reported that there's a verdict in the Kyle Rittenhouse case. However, I'm waiting on a couple more sources. The sources that I have, I do trust. I do like. I um I I I have faith in. I think people would find it interesting that the verdict I mean they 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 got to the courtroom a, a couple hours ago. Some people really thought this was going to go into, into next week. I think then again, some people thought it's amazing it took four days. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. So good to be with you. Here's what we have going on. We believe at this moment, based on the reporting that we get from the sources we trust, that there is a verdict in. But there has been nothing that I have seen as of yet from the court that shows that the verdict is in. However... We're hearing things like families of those killed were told to go to the courtroom per a pool reporter. Those are the kinds of things that get said when they know there's going to be movement. We've got it. I've confirmed families were told to come to the courthouse. Is that all I know? I'm going to take this as there is a verdict. Possibly. Or there's some movement from the judge. Our our plan is as follows. To bring you Every single part of it that we can. We're scheduled to speak with uh, Congressman Larry Bouchon about the spending bill that just passed uh, the House of Representatives. Uh, we, we hope to be able to get to that. If, if we need to, we're going to work a- a- around it. If, if we need to and there's going to be an announcement of a verdict, we're going to try and, and push all our brakes to be able to give you everything as it happens. Because there's a question here. After four days, and they say not guilty, I'm saying if. What were they looking at for four days that made them ask questions? If they say guilty, what were they looking at for four days that took so long? And what happens if what they come back with is a hung jury? 
What if they don't have innocent or guilty, but they have, sorry, we are uh, hopelessly deadlocked? What happens at that moment? There's a lot to take in here. What we know, based on the sources that we have, there is a verdict. We will, uh, we will see. How it is this breaks down. Keep it right here. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today.